Welcome to another episode of I Need a Ruling, a golf podcast. My name is Doug Hoffman. For those of you who don't know me or have not listened previously, I am the Director of Rules and Competitions for the Minnesota Golf Association, a PGA Master Professional in the 2019 Minnesota Section PGA Golf Professional of the Year. I am glad you are with me. The purpose of this podcast is to provide valuable information on the rules that all golfers should know. Obviously, the level of golf one plays, be it social or highly competitive, includes playing by the rules. I understand many simply want the joy of having time in nature with friends, enjoying each other's company, and sometimes the challenge that golf provides. This podcast is designed to take the rules and break them down into easy-to-follow segments, each lasting about 10 minutes. By keeping each podcast shorter, it allows you, the listener, to better absorb and process the information. I feel listening to more, shorter episodes allows you to really understand the information before moving forward. This episode will deal with a form of play that many of us play regularly, four ball, but what is most often referred to as best ball. This is rule 23. As the purpose statement of the rule states, this format is played either in match play or stroke play, where partners compete as a side with each playing a separate ball, and the side score for a hole is the lower score of the partners on that hole. An easy way to remember the title four ball is to remember that when foursome is playing, there are four balls in play. Actually, there is another form of play called best ball, in which one player plays the better ball of two or three players. Before I get into the details of Rule 23, there are some things that should be highlighted the most important of which is that rules 1 through 20 apply in virtually all circumstances. However, there are some modifications that will be in place as a result of two players comprising the side. As we will discuss, there are situations that cannot occur if a player is playing alone and as such unique in this format. These include determination of the side score, keeping a scorecard, the starting and conclusion of the round, who may represent the side, actions affecting the partner's play, order of play, the sharing of clubs, and how penalties affect the side. As a director of rules and competitions, it amazes me how many players do not know the intricacies of the rules as they apply to four-ball play. Yet, as with the responsibility of knowing the rules for individual play, both players need to understand these in order to protect each other and their side. Doing so will not only prevent them from incurring an unnecessary penalty, but also may help them save a stroke or two. The first thing we will talk about is scoring. It may seem rather simple in stroke play. The side score is the lower score of the two players on any hole, and the total score is the resulting sum of the holes played during the round. And for the most part, that's it. Yet there are a couple of important points to know. First, as most of you know, both players do not need to hole out. In fact, in the interest of pace of play, we encourage any player who is out of the hole to pick up the ball and move on. But in stroke play, at least one of the partners must hole out in order for the side to have a score for the hole. Should both players fail to hole out, then it's time for a hot fudge Sunday stop at DQ on the way out of town. Yet in match play, there is not a requirement for either player to hole out. The side would simply lose the hole, but maybe live on to play another hole. The scorecard is a place where many don't know the rule, and some pay the price for it. 
When returning the official scorecard, there are two requirements that must be met. First, at least one partner from each side must sign the scorecard. Second, the scores that are to be used for the side must be individually identifiable to the partner who made the score on each hole. That is, if you and I are partners and you made the four on the first hole, then that four must be on the line with your name. It cannot cover both boxes or be on the line for my name if I did not make the four. And there does not have to be a score entered for me on the first hole. Failure to do either of these will result in that hot fudge Sunday stop at DQ. There are two interpretations that will clarify different situations that can arise from this. I encourage you to become familiar with them. Okay, so let's talk about starting and ending the round. Also a relatively simple concept, but one that can become muddied when considering a partner. For example, the round or hole begins when one of the partners makes a stroke to start the round or hole. But what if the other partner is not present at the teeing ground at that time, such as if the partner is otherwise late to the tee or in a position to delay play? Normally, a player who is late to the tee when starting a round has a five-minute grace period in which to arrive and incur only a two-stroke penalty. That is not the case in four-ball. If one player is not present and ready to play at the starting time when the other partner plays from the teeing ground, the partner who was not there must not play that hole. The partner is allowed to join the first player between the play of two holes, thus on the second tee. What if it happens between holes? For example, one partner must go take an important phone call that takes an extended time. If the other player has begun the hole by making a stroke, the delayed partner must not play that hole. If the situation is in match play, then the missing partner must not join the side if a player from either side, thus the opponent or the side, has begun play for the hole. So if one player from the opponent's side has made the first stroke on the hole and the missing partner shows up before his partner plays, he still cannot play the hole. By discussing these topics, you should see that the side may be represented by one or both players. In fact, it is not unusual for only one player to represent the side for the entire match or round. And a player may leave and rejoin the side during the round. With regard to order of play, the side may play in any order they wish, whether match play or stroke play. In fact, you will see a side have the player closer to the whole play before the partner who is further away. This is true in match play where a side can have a player play who is even closer to the hole than either of the other opponents. And a player may continue to play a hole even while out of it, as long as the player is not discontinued play of the hole. However, if the next stroke has been conceded and by continuing play of the hole would help the partner, the side will be penalized. Section five of this rule deals with the actions of one player affecting the play of the partner. Depending upon the action, it can be permitted or prohibited. Players should be aware of what they are allowed and forbidden from doing. Permitted actions include anything concerning the partner's golf ball that the partner is allowed to do, such as marking, lifting, cleaning, and replacing the ball, as well as dropping the ball. Note, this is a change with the new rules of 2019. Previously, the partner could not drop the ball. Also permitted is the giving of advice, 
but only to the extent allowed for the partner's caddy. A very important sentence found at the end of Rule 23.5a states, and I quote, In stroke play, partners must not agree with each other to leave a ball in place on the putting green to help either of them or for any player. This refers back to Rule 15.3a. As you might expect, the player is responsible for the actions of the partner. Basically, if the player is prohibited from taking an action, then the player will be penalized if the partner takes the same action. For example, if the player were to cause the player's ball to move or fail to mark it when lifting it under the rules. Interestingly, partners may share clubs as long as the total number of combined clubs does not exceed 14. Now we will discuss the last section when a penalty applies to one partner only or to both partners. This last section, section 8, is critically important for players to know when playing this format. And there are three different subsections. One, penalty normally applies only to the player. Two, penalty applies to both the player and the partner. And three, disqualification penalties. We'll look at each situation individually. In the first case where the penalty will normally apply only to the player, such an example would be any normal rules breach, like a penalty area, unplayable, or even playing from a wrong place. In stroke play, the player simply gets the resulting one or two stroke penalty. In match play, the player gets the one stroke penalty, but if it is a general penalty, and remember general penalties in match play result in a loss of hole, the player is simply out of the hole, but the partner continues on. There are three scenarios in which the player's penalty also applies to the partner. The first is for a breach of Rule 4.1b, most likely for carrying too many clubs. The result is painful. In stroke play, both players incur the penalty of two strokes up to a maximum of four strokes, and it is applied to the first hole or two the side plays in the round. In match play, the state of the match is adjusted by either one or two holes, depending upon where the breach is discovered. This is not a loss of hole penalty. The second and third scenarios are somewhat similar. If a player's actions are a breach and also help the partner's play, such as continuing to play after a stroke is conceded in match play, or by picking up on a hole and then hitting a practice putt on a line similar to the partner's line. The third scenario is if a player's breach hurts an opponent's play, the partner also incurs the penalty. Now it gets more confusing with regard to disqualification penalties, as there are situations in which a breach by one player is enough to take out the side. But then there are situations in which both players must incur penalties before the side is out. Some may be limited to either stroke play or match play. And finally, there are situations in which a player may incur a DQ penalty, but only to be out of the hole. Let's look at these. But note that I will not go through each scenario in depth. I strongly encourage you to review 23.8b independently. The most serious breaches are those that will cause the side to be disqualified by a breach of only one player. Some of the areas in which they may apply include Rule 1 for a breach of conduct or playing by the rules, Rule 4 for a breach of equipment, either golf clubs or golf balls, Rule 5 a breach of unreasonable delay or suspension, Rule 6, a breach for the teeing area, 
as well as wrong handicaps, and in stroke play, Rule 3.3b for scoring, Rule 5.2b for practicing on the course, and Rule 23.2b for the scorecard. Those situations in which both players must incur a DQ penalty in order for the side to be disqualified are in Rule 5, playing the round, and in stroke play specifically, failing to hole out, playing from outside the teeing area, playing a wrong ball, or from a wrong place where correction is required but not done. For any other situation in which a player would be disqualified under the rules, only take the player out for that hole and not the side, such as failing to hole out or playing a wrong ball. Well, that concludes this episode of I Need a Ruling, a golf podcast. I hope you have enjoyed and learned from the show about Rule 23, four-ball play. Come back soon for another episode. I encourage you to continue your study of the rules by visiting both the USGA and RNA rules pages. There is a plethora of information that will help you become more rules literate, no matter your knowledge level, and quizzes that will test that knowledge. Be sure to check out the USGA short courses too. Remember to check out the Oswald Academy at golfrules.com for other great rules education materials. For those of you who are interested, registration is open for the 2021 USGA Rules Workshops. They will be held virtually from January through March. Get all of the details at usga.org rules. I look forward to having you listen to another show, and don't forget to listen to past shows. Be sure to pass along the link to your fellow golfers and rules friends. You can find I Need a Ruling, a golf podcast, on all of your favorite podcast sites. Our theme music is from the golf movie, The Greatest Game Ever Played, composed by Brian Tyler. You can find it on Spotify. Until then, play well and have fun.